Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Episode 6, Addressing Controversial Topics, recorded at Metatopia 2012 by Jason Pitt. Presented by John Stravopoulos, Bill White, and Brennan Taylor. I'm Bill White, game scholar and uh, designer of a game that uh, incites controversy. I'm Brenna Taylor, a game designer, and also the designer of a game that addresses a controversial topic, I suppose. Great. Uh, I'm John Savropoulos, and I don't design games that deal with controversial topics, but I run plenty that do. Some people have cried. So you're coming at this from a GM's perspective. That's right. And apparently, I've heard online that design doesn't matter, and GMs are all that matter, so it's a good counterbalance. Yeah, I've heard that GMs are irrelevant. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's the next panel, so yeah. hopefully uh, Jason will be there to record that, too. Oh, we got a new audience member. Why are you here? I don't know. That's great. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Well, we we hope you welcome John. Yes. Welcome. I'm glad you wandered into our room. <laughs> it's a very comfortable room. We hope to like meet your very low expectations. <laughs> so what's the topic, guys? The topic is addressing... Controversial topics, and the three of us are here to—I don't know—facilitate a conversation about that. Great. Um, the place that I wanted to begin, that I wanted to begin, was with that statement. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. and so and so. I mean, I, I guess. What is it? Well, this is being recorded. It's being recorded. You better so, speak. This, this got to be good radio. This <laughs> <not> be <laughs> good radio. <laughs> so the the most dangerous controversy is the one you're not aware of, right? Which is the sense that um, you may stumble into. Uh, a controversy by people by feeling blindsided by people complaining or um, saying things about your game that hurt your feelings because you thought uh, you know you didn't even think about that and uh, all of a sudden you're being confronted with uh, uh, people accusing you of doing something or of having some motivation that you feel like you didn't have uh, but you've stumbled into controversy and so being aware of potential uh, potential dimensions of controversy as well as uh, how to address that by mainly being thoughtful is, is the main thing that, that uh, uh, I want to you know, say or, or talk about as we, as we uh, go through this conversation. How do you feel about that, Brandon? Well, yeah, that's obviously the biggest pitfall. It's because you're not going to be able to address it ahead of time if you don't know that it exists. Right. Have you and guys had personal experiences? I have not. Have you? I have. I have. You know, so my game, Ganakagak, is um, uh, uh, set in a quasi-Inuit, quasi-Eskimo kind of setting, and uh, that raises issues of cultural appropriation that I wasn't really sensitized to before writing the game. I just sort of, like, the game was a, uh, for a game design contest, and I just sort of uh, took the ingredients, and the color was just sort of out in the air, and so I borrowed that. Uh, without really much consideration for the fact that, well, you know, um, I'm using this culture and borrowing elements from different cultures that uh, um, still like have some heritage there. And, and there, so there are still Native Americans today who feel like, well, you know, well, what else can you steal from us? And uh, so, so, uh, so not being aware of that uh, was... was uh, really, something that had I 
had I been paying, I mean, and it's not like the signs weren't there, I just wasn't paying attention, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, and so stumbling into that controversy and feeling like, oh, gee, had I only known, or better, had I been, um, had I been paying attention enough to realize that this is an issue or could be an issue or that issues could arise, that I think, oh, no, it's just public domain, I don't have to worry about it, right? yeah. Would, okay, let's say you were aware of that controversy, though. Would that change the design of the game, or is this a marketing question? It wouldn't change, uh, you know, I would say, I would say that there's an excluded middle there. Um, that, so it's not just about marketing the game, but it's about, um, it's, uh, there's a level between, well, I guess, no, I guess it would have changed the design in the sense that it wouldn't change the game mechanically, but it would have changed how I presented some uh, some elements. It would have changed at the level of uh, at the level of presentation. So let's let's take uh, Kevin's question and focus it. I'd like to ask you three questions. Yes. We're not to put you on the spotlight. But you're in the spotlight. Bring no it. pressure. Bro. Bring it. Okay. So uh, three things as for the, the people listening at home. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you define cultural appropriation? Okay. Uh, why is it potentially problematic? Okay. And knowing what you know now, how would you have redone? Those are great questions, and so um, the way I would define cultural appropriation is um, uh, is uh, making use of particularly uh, dis, uh, disempowered or disenfranchised uh, cultural themes and motifs in a way that is insensitive to the current um, heirs to that to those motifs. Uh, so I'm thinking particularly of Native American culture, but um, I can imagine there being, uh, you know, Aboriginal culture sure, sure. elsewhere. Well, you know. I have to say, I, I think I have a slightly broader definition of Go that. Go for it. Uh, I believe, I, I, I'm pretty much of the opinion that as white male Americans, it's... We're all white male Americans here? Uh, yes, that was, I'm not actually, so... Oh, okay. I'm not sure if we're all... Right. 100% white male Americans, but I don't know. I can formally disagree on that. <laughs> you're, one. A, you're a white male Canadian. Thanks for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but go on. That's, that's besides uh, the point. People with privilege. Uh, well, yeah. So, which is yeah, apparently fair. a loaded term, but I, I, I don't have a problem with the word privilege. But basically, our culture is in, in this country completely dominant, right? Yes. There is no way for us to present someone else's culture. That is not appropriating it in some way, right? Uh, and it's biasing it. Well, it's obviously being filtered through an outside lens, right? Yeah. I am not a participant in those cultures, and therefore right. I am appropriating, right? That does not mean that you cannot present uh, appropriated. You know, you cannot appropriate things in a way that is more sensitive and less offensive, right? That's that's what I'm right. getting at. Yes. And, and, I actually brought my game, How We Came to Live Here, which is a Native American themed game similar to yours. Right. <laughs> uh, because I wrote in the introduction, I felt like I needed to present this stuff in the game itself when I was publishing it, where I was coming from on this and why I decided to do a game on this theme and why, you know, and basically open this up for uh, dialogue if people felt like they wanted, they had something they wanted to say to me. 
right? I, I mean, I remember uh, hearing a story about how he came to live here where someone, in a lot of kind of like American storytelling, there's this idea of threes, right? Right. It's like, so you, you want to repeat an element three times, or if it's a joke, you introduce something, you reinforce it, and then you break it. Right. right? But that's not necessarily the case in the culture that you're referencing. Right. Yeah, the, 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 numer the important num numeral in uh, a lot of Native American cultures is the number four. Yeah. And uh, when I was... There, there's actually a story in here, which is a you know there's folk tales which I wrote, which again more right. appropriation. But one of the things I one of the reasons I wrote the folk tales is then that they're completely fictional and they're completely made up by me. Sure, sure. They are not someone's actual folk tale that I've put into an entertainment sure. product. So. And I like to add too that uh, I don't think there's any easier answers to any of this. And this is not just going to be about cultural appropriation. We want to hear what kind of there's, there's lots of other kinds of controversies. <laughs> but we can all we can do is uh, learn from each other, keep an open dialogue, don't take it personally, and keep trying to do better. Right? Like right. that's kind of a lot of the goals. Uh, so that all said, so basically, I want to go ahead and read this paragraph that I put into the introduction, which is that I'm not a member of any of the cultures that lend inspiration to this game. I have some concerns about someone like me writing this game. My main motivation is to venture forth from the typical world found in most fantasy. I'm interested in exploring fantasy that draws on different traditions for inspiration. My goal is to treat the subject with respect, and I've done my utmost as a person who is not a member of the culture in question. I've tried it to avoid appropriation, but there's no way for me to do so entirely. Right. Right, and that's that's essentially my disclaimer. One of my early readers told me that it would seem too apologetic to put that into the front of the book. Yeah, and I said, and I said, I disagree. <laughs> and you're privileged to show exactly. Yeah. Right. But yeah, but the thing is, that's I put it up there, I put it in front there, and one of the reasons that I wrote the game is that I don't feel that uh, I feel like there should be more non-Western stuff going on in sure. gaming because I feel that makes it more inclusive, right? However. Most of the people who are writing this stuff are white, American, or Canadian. Jason. <laughs> and I that, think that's a little dangerous assumption, but we can talk about that well, later. Well, uh, shall we say, most of the stuff that uh, is, currently is currently out consumed. in, but that's in this country, and, and, but that is changing. There's a lot more European stuff, but, you know... A lot of stuff from Japan, Japan, Japan China, yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. from Spain. Yeah. South America is exploding. You know, so. <laughs> with gaming, with gaming. <laughs> 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 well, so so what was question two? Uh, well, so before we get to that, just to wrap that little, little part up, uh, you guys know about the TED Talk where it talks about like one, the danger of one story, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Who's I'm not familiar with that. Uh, so there's a TED Talk. Uh, I believe it's if you just Google search like danger of one story. Uh, yeah. Uh, African American one, though. Yeah. Yes, I have. So it, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. Just go to TED Talks, Danger, One Story, you'll see it. Uh, and she basically just talks about part of the dangers of uh, people appropriating cultures that they're not familiar with them, they don't realize them, is a lot of what we assume to be true is false, mm -hmm. right? A lot of it's not just even stereotypes, it just outright lies, right? And it's not only filtered from other people's perspectives, but it's people who are empowered to share and and to, uh, to share this information, constantly reshare uh, wrong ideas. And because we're only hearing from those voices, we start to believe that these lies are true, right? So that's a big danger, right? Because we're saying, okay, we're now gonna reaffirm these things that we think of as facts, but they're not, 
right? That's the danger of one story. We're only hearing one person's side. And there's not just one side, right? Any right, place in the world, there's so many different perspectives, so many different sides. You can't, you can't say, you know, it's it's crazy when people, uh, you know, talk refer to my friends who are from China as minorities. I'm like, what minorities? What are you talking about? Like, right. you know, like China is a freaking huge place with so many different cultures, and completely different languages, different ways of doing things. You can't just drill it down to a neat paragraph, right? Like, it doesn't work that way. And people oversimplify. Absolutely. So the second question is. Uh, and we might have answered it. Why is appropriation uh, problematic? Yeah, and I think you know, in, in addition to uh, the thing that you just talked about, issues of truth. There's also um, issues of issues of uh, fairness, right? I mean, you want to be fair to the culture that you're representing or making use of. There's uh, you know, interesting. There's interesting um, theories of. Um, Cultural, intellectual property rights that um, that especially native cultures may have, right? You know, because, existing cultures. Yeah, existing because they, because there has been so much disenfranchisement, disempowerment, and people treat these cultures like they're dead and they're like alive. They're dead and they're alive. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. horrible. So yeah, so there was a recent, um, you know, and this and this happens even out in uh, non-gaming. This happens in popular culture throughout. It's not just gaming that it's problematic for. Um, so there was the issue of the uh, the Gap T-shirt. Did you see this? The the Manifest Destiny T-shirt. Yes. So there's a designer, you know, uh, uh, that is a not a game designer, uh, a clothing designer, who who said, thought it would be a good idea to have a T-shirt that said Manifest Destiny on it. Yeah. Right. And um, and and so um, uh, the response from Native Americans was from. Uh, was to say, okay, well, why not have a T-shirt that says uh, Indian removal on it? Why not have a yep. T-shirt that says genocide on it? Because that's what you're talking about, and um, uh, and so it's the same, you know, same, same kind of issue that is that it's just. Well, and I'm willing to bet that was a controversy that guy walked into without even realizing. Without it was even there. realizing, and that was the real well, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. he doubled down on it by tweeting, "Manifest destiny, survival of the fittest." Yeah. Wow. I mean, some people turn into assholes when they're confronted with. I'm going to take that guy and get questions. I don't know. We're not going to talk about that today. Right, right. right. But, so, uh, but yes. So, so yes. So, so that's one of the reasons why it's problematic, right? Because um, the past is not past. Yeah, it's it's present, and we don't want uh, to continually propagate uh, lies and misinformation, which then people make decisions on, uh, which is horrible and minimizes real human beings. Absolutely. Uh, so here's a question. Uh, the third question is, uh, now that we know this, right, right. Uh, what would you have done differently? And I don't know if that applies to how we came to live here, but... Let's... The uh, thing I would have done differently certainly was uh, include more language like um, uh, like Brennan had in, in his, uh, his. I mean, I, I because I wasn't aware of that as an issue when I was writing it um, and stumbled into it, um, it, it, there are certain careless use of language that uh, I would have I would have paid stricter attention to. Um, I would have included more voices from uh, the cultures that uh, I was trying to represent. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, and there's a nod to that. What do you mean, more voices? More voices. Um, like, uh, there are, uh, uh, there are stories, um, and like, there's stuff that's, there's, there's stuff that I just made up. Um, Invented, and, and uh, I would have liked to have used more space in the book, uh, in the rule book, 
as uh, a window on um, uh, Eskimo slash Inuit cultures and presented um, uh, a more like, like uh, more more uh, more like uh, creatures from uh, their their the their actual, own, yeah, the actual actual mythology actual yeah. actual mythology. And so there's a nod to that, but but I think that could have been stronger. I think that would be better because one of the thing one of the one of the very positive comments that uh, players give me is um, how how great an appreciation for that uh, for that culture it gives them. Right? Mm -hmm. and, oh, gee, it feels it feels like really being there. But and if so, it's stuff that you wrote, then they just assume whatever you wrote. Is that cool? Right, right, right. Which is why, which is why calling it out as, as you know, this is real, this is authentic, um, and versus this is what I, this is what I made up might have been better. So, for example, in the um, uh, the game uses a deck of cards, and, and we use public domain motifs from uh, that is images uh, on the cards, uh, and so so it's drawn not just from Inuit culture, but from uh, other Native American cultures of the Pacific Northwest, without identifying them as such, and so sure. a little, a little move that would have been very nice would just have just have a little credit, you know, a little, a little, a little caption under each image that wasn't just clip art that indicated where it was from and, and indicated that it's not right that that I wasn't just seamlessly synthesizing all of this cultural material. Yeah, where does it come from? If I want to learn more, where do I go? Where exactly. do I do it? Right. So that would have been a, a little move that I could have done that would have, I think, had a, had a, had a, a much more, uh, had a powerful effect because it would have acknowledged my debt to sure. uh, the cultures that I was, that I was appropriate, that I was using. What about, like, uh, if you're going to, because one of the issues we talked about is, uh, and, you know, as, as we said earlier, this isn't just about cultural appropriation, right? Uh, plenty of games have issues with sexism and racism and so many things. And uh, so this applies, what I'm about to say applies to all of this. Uh, why not include someone, especially since we're talking about living cultures, who represents those cultures, right? Why not show them your work and say, hey, what do you yes, think of this? That's, good. That, that, uh, that's a great question because that is something that I did try to do. However, uh, it is also very difficult to do. Sure. Uh, because... I have I, the people I managed to get in touch with were not actually members of the cultures that I was referencing, and the the people I reached out to in those cultures, which was Hopi, Navajo, Zuni area, did not respond. And one of the reasons is a lot of times people consult them uh, and they publish whatever the heck they were going to do anyway without yeah. taking their comments, and then say it was approved. By yeah. the, their their cultural outreach center or whatever. So some of this might be earning trust. Absolutely, and uh, I did you know I didn't end up doing that even though I wanted to with this game and I, maybe I could have spent more time trying to something you to would do that. I try to do next yeah. time. Yeah, I would definitely try to do that. What what kind of lessons do you feel like you could have learned, or what 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 would you do differently now? Like how would you approach it? Um, I'm really not sure, honestly. I mean. Reaching out to the people, in, you know, and the organizations that have been set up for cultural outreach yeah. is just one of the main ways to do I it. I mean, what I think I would do in this case is I would, uh, so who are people who are already doing this, right? So you have right. professors and universities who are already talking to different cultures, right? right? You have uh, organizations that uh, do outreach uh, that are already talking to different cultures. Talk to them. Talk to right. the people that these cultures already trust and prove to them that you're trustworthy. And then alongside with them, you know, 
reach out and get them to look at your work. Hire the people who they trust to work with you Absolutely. and empower them. Like even show them a contract. Have a contract that says they get you know uh, I forget the, the terminology, but they get to, uh, first right of editing right for all well, this. And one of the things I did do is actually the the original draft of the game included uh, uh, supernatural beings called Kachina, and I was informed that those are actual. That's that's a religious right. Uh, a religious significance. So I changed that. I took right. that out. You like having like having Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. In the game. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's really Yeah. Do we want to open this up to the audience, see what kind of controversial topics they might well, be Well, you with? said you had a list, right? I had a list. Let's, let's take Go a look at the list first, and then uh, let's definitely open yeah. it up. So yeah. race, culture, and gender, gratuitous and explicit violence, and uh, sex and intimacy are the uh, things that I, are the broad categories that I thought. All stuff I put in my gate. Those are your goals. <laughs> they they, they kind of are. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, we've talked about we've talked about culture. Um, and, and John, like you were saying, race and, and gender, you know, there are other, like, there's uh, sure. sexism and racism in games. Um, in the writing, in the art, in the mechanics. Exactly. Oh, yes. In the marketing. Yeah. yeah, so that, I mean, so talk, talking about uh, issues of um, race, culture, and gender, right? Issues of representation uh, are, are um, you know, really... Uh, Really come to the fore when you're talking about art, right? And the art that you use, yeah. And uh, and that's something that can can blindside you, right? You know, you you order some arts for your game, and um, uh, and and you're the art director, but you just say, you know, just give me something, give me something, and <laughs> right. Uh, Give me a character holding a sword wearing armor, you will get a white dude holding a sword wearing armor. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I like to interject really quick because I do a lot of art direction and creative direction for companies, uh, not specifically gaming, but it applies. Yeah. Uh, so there's no lack of artists in the world, right? So go to DeviantArt or any place like that and look for people who are doing art that's similar to the art you want in your game. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there's so many artists, hire the people. Instead of going to someone and saying, do something you don't normally do, go to someone who's already doing what you want. Yeah. And it's much more likely they're going to work with you right, and hit your goals. Well, and I, and I think you also need to be specific. Yeah, right? be very specific. Yes. Show uh, them photo reference. Absolutely, yeah, which I did for this game. Um, and I ended up with some like really, really nice stuff. But... Uh, one of the things that I did with Bulldogs is I specifically asked, I specifically said in the art descriptions, uh, of, you know, I had a spectrum of different ethnicities for sure. the characters because I wanted a spectrum of ethnicities in the book. And if you don't ask for that, what you get is white guys. Right? Sure. That's the default. If, if, if you say, say to an artist, I want a character with a blaster you know, right. leaping out of a door, I'm going to get a white guy leaping out of a door with a blaster. Because that's, you know, and it might not casting directors in Hollywood have the same yeah. thing. If they, if they don't say, they get white people. And, right? it, and so, the thing is, it might not even be like the specific issues of racism with the specific artists. You're living in a system. It's right, a it's the system, issue. right? right? So that, that's that's, that's, that's your generic default. And if you want something different, you must ask for it. And that's one of the things that, as an art director for my games, I want to think about that ahead of time so that I know that I'm being inclusive. Sure. Right. And also, this. I think on having been an art director and having been on the art side, it's just better art direction. It is, because if you're more specific, you get better stuff. (laughs) More than just considering race and gender and these controversy issues, being more specific about the other things that that are, you know, you want to have a whole picture in your head, and the more that you communicate to an artist 
uh, you know, sometimes there's this feeling of like, oh, I'm telling nurses everything I want to do, and I'm sort of drawing it over their shoulder and just using their arm. But um, that's okay. Any, yeah, yeah, really. It's your project. You're paying. Right. And, uh, and if they don't like it, someone else. If the artist isn't okay with limits, then they're probably not that great. You know, they can. They should be able to make the, the specifics that you give them there. Right. And it's not just limited to visual art, right? Like, if you're hiring people to write fiction in your book, same rules apply, exactly Absolutely. as you were saying. I would also add, uh, this would apply generally to this topic. We're at a playtesting convention, right? We're in Metatopia, uh, 2012. And uh, it's all about playtesting. This stuff we're talking about, you could also playtest this. Playtesting isn't just about your rules, right? You can playtest your text. You can uh, play test your art, right? And maybe play testing isn't the exact correct terminology, but the point is, uh, don't just keep it inside. You don't need to be the one evaluating if this is problematic or if it's working. Share it with the world. Yeah. Say, hey, this isn't published. This is just what we're working on. Here's the basic concepts. Is anybody seeing something I'm not, right? And don't do it inside your own vacuum, right? Like you might have a group of friends who all agree with you, you all like the same things or whatever, go outside of that. Like, really take risks and say, and make it clear. Like, hey, your opinions matter here. I'm really looking to see what I'm not seeing so we can make changes now before we get to the point where it's printed. Yeah. Do we want to open up? Yeah, so uh, you want to take a step back so we look at that list and we'll, let's see if there's anything that's not on it that people are concerned about. Right. Yes, that's a good, that's a good thought. Yeah. Okay, so we got race, culture, gender, Gratuitous or explicit violence. Sometimes there's not enough violence. Is that one of the issues? <laughs> Perhaps. Okay, so and, uh, sex and intimacy. So uh, there are different people here who have concerns or like are just, they're going to be working with challenging subjects and they want to talk about it. Is there anything here that's not covered? Raise your hand and tell us. Yeah, it's all at it. Yes. Go for it. Okay, I'm coming from a French-Canadian context. One of the major... Co challenges within my particular context is language. Oh, language. How do you mean that? Um, in that the dominant culture uh, was the Anglophone culture that was uh, strongly curtailing the use of the French language and trying to eliminate the use of the French okay, language sure. to deal with the cultural minority, mm -hmm. which was also a different religious group. So, uh, so it was a combination of religion and <laughs> religion and culture that tied into yeah. it. I mean, it fits into culture, but and we'll call it out. We'll linguistic change, linguistic purity versus corruption of there. It's a it's a giant mess. These are all tactics. that you that you. I think it's something that you see more in Canadian culture than in northern. U.S. culture, but you might see right. more of it in the see, in the. You south. see it in a lot of places besides Canada too, because language and cultural identity are so closely tied together. the The entire Native American issue yep. with language, where those languages were attempted yes. to be wiped out. Well, yes. You, you yeah. see it in politics; people redefine oh, yes. the meaning of terms yeah. to manipulate how people think of subjects. Right. Right. Um, you actually have a trilogy in Canada of um, First Nations. Uh, French Canadian, English Canadian, yeah. and the, all three of them in fighting over language, and that's so. Um, uh, so I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting issue. So I mean, are are you suggesting that you would like to um, have ways of what reincorporating language or what or or being aware of? I, and I guess it's right. It's an awareness issue, right? I mean, so. You're speaking, if you're writing in English, 
right? Then you've already taken a side. Yeah. Um, and translation, but are you writing in English first and then translating into another language? Uh, there, like, there's, and also the, generally the themes of the games. Are you accounting for? Sure. Well, let's talk about that really quick sec, actually, because yeah. this is a huge deal. Uh, so uh, I deal, I dealt with a lot of uh, websites, like building websites, informational websites, educational websites, and a lot of times they get translated in different languages, right? So if you're talking about games and you're going to bring it to different cultures, you're talking about issues of translation. So a big part is people think, I'm just going to hire a translator, done, wrong, right? So uh, you're looking to hire a translator, you're looking to hire someone to handle localization is a popular term for it. You're looking to for, get people to rephrase things that fit the cultural way of speaking, uh, the meanings, the themes that are appropriate to uh, where you where your audience is, right? So Fiasco is a good example. I know Jason's talked about this yeah. in different panels where he has his different uh, play sets. And some of those thematic elements when he gets translated in different languages don't apply because they're American themes. Right? So then they're like, okay, we're not just going to translate it. We're going to actually replace some of these elements and make it appropriate to this culture. We're not going to make it like, we're not going to force our stuff on them. It's like, what's relevant to you? You're playing the game. It's not about us. It's about you. So you right. do the work. Which implies you don't necessarily just want to go get a translator. You want to get Usually a this. developer yeah. who is who speaks the language you want it to be translated to and have that person help you do a development pass on the game for that. Exactly. And I mean, here's the thing too, this costs more money, right? And this is probably a reason why a lot of people don't do it, because it yeah. costs more money. And uh, when you look at translation services, usually they'll, the people who do a good job will list out these things. They'll be like, we also handle localization, and so on and so forth. Uh, and this, we live in the, the modern day of Kickstarter, and there's going to be some Kickstarter panels later today. Uh, you know, list it out, see what people care about, let people put their money where, the, their, money where their mouth is. Right? So if you're going to say, hey, I'm looking to bring my games to a bunch of different cultures, different people, different languages, but to do this right, we're going to need the X funds. Right? And where are those funds going? To do X, Y, and Z. We're going to hire not just people to do the bare minimum translation. We really want to make, do this right. And then we want to have people check this and we want to make sure we're being sensitive to this and doing a good job. And lay it out there. Because a lot of people don't realize it. They're just like, oh, you just do translation, whatever. You know? Like, yeah, exactly. We just press a button and it just happens. My word, Microsoft Word can translate stuff for me. What's the big deal? You know, educate people. And once you educate them and show them the value of something, uh, they start to understand. And you know what? You might inspire them when they work on their own games. And we might start to create a trend. Maybe this is the start. This is brown. Truly international community. Yeah, we're going to do this. So what, uh, is there anything else missing from this list? Let's talk about how it applies to you guys. You were talking about you were doing maybe some controversial stuff here. Uh, I have some sticky uh, cultural appropriation problems, um, but also uh, philosophical problems, I think, can arise. Uh, mine raises issues of the nature of civilization and what cultural complexity is, the value, what's the value of that. Uh, and shoot, I lost friends over that, those questions. Okay. Uh, so what's your game, what is it about? Uh, it's 400 years in the future. Civilization has uh, collapsed, and people live in feral tribes. Okay. So part of it is there's an idea. But it's a utopia. It, yeah, it's it's not Mad Max. It's it's life is good. So where's the appropriation coming? <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, and uh, I actually got this idea from reading native authors who are saying 
uh, particularly Haudenosaunee, because I live in an area where they used that was the most recent people who lived there before were white guys. Sure, sure. Um, and what they were saying is that they do not believe that imagination starts in a human skull, that it happens in the land and it's something that people will take part in. And I read this from a couple different native authors around the world, and so I wanted to incorporate this and acknowledge it. And so people living in these feral tribes, living uh, more uh, closer to the land and things like that, uh, are taking part in the same imagination that they so people took part in. And so it's not there's no cultural continuity, but things end up looking and sounding familiar. Sounds great. Well, so nature, you, uh, nature doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. So it's, you already have kind of an advantage over, I think, a lot of people when they're in the same <laughs> position. Uh, you're reading authors who are already covering these topics, right? Right. Uh, are these like are these living authors? Yes. Okay. Well, the I mean, hard part though is that it's localized to wherever you're running. So in my when I'm running it at home, it's how to show me. When I'm running it here, it's Algonquin. Uh, so there's nobody that can go to. There's no one culture. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on you playing it to <clears throat> pull that in. So maybe that's part of the mechanics. Yeah. That's what I've been looking at is how, how to handle that. Right? Like maybe it's like, you know, Brendan has that intro paragraph, you know, laying out the expectations. Maybe, you know, a lot of games have world creation and character creation and all this kind of stuff. Maybe in your game it's about figuring out what cultural lens you're coming from. Getting out everyone on the same page, and if, I don't know what the tone of your game is, but if it's let's say a serious game, uh, and you want to take the content very seriously, you can work your the game design to reinforce that, right? You can be like, hey, we don't want to work with stereotypes here. We're not looking to laugh at any of this. This is serious. If it's not serious, let's do something else, right? And you can just call it out, be clear, right? Um, what do you guys say? Uh, definitely. I mean, that's treating the topic with respect is, I think, the main way that you approach this, going into it, realizing that uh, what you're doing is relevant to real people who are who are still alive, who are not, you know, this isn't, this yes. isn't a fictional, right? Uh, even though your product may be fictional, it can have a real impact on a real person, and so long as you're going into it thinking about those things, and being prepared to accept criticism if people criticize you, right? I think that's you know, the key is don't get defensive. Yeah, don't listen get defensive. to listen to what people actually have to say because there are real crimes and real pain that people have experienced and it is not your place to say that those are not real experiences, right? right? And and if they if they say this is upsetting, you have to listen to them and under and try to understand why. I'm not saying don't do it, but be prepared to deal with controversial issues yourself because you're writing something that could possibly be controversial. So it could be upsetting to you too when people give you feedback. I mean, if, if, if people are sharing their personal experiences and how this impacts them, uh, ultimately what you end up doing, how that affects what decisions you make are up to you, but don't disavow their personal experiences, right? Don't disavow their perspective. Right. Listen to what they have to say, no matter how hurtful or harmful it might seem. I mean, actually, hurtful is the wrong word, but no matter how hurtful, don't get defensive. Right. Take a step back. Part of the process is to remove yourself from it. Collect the data, and then see what you can do with it. Right. So the other thing I would say to that is, let's say you did create a section in your game that dealt with figure out what cultural lens you're using, right? What perspective we're we playing this game in. Uh, if you have, let's say, a whole chapter on that, release that online. You don't have to release your whole game, but put that online. Let people publicly right, play test feedback. it. 
Yeah. Get feedback. See, you know, there might be parts that you're missing. You know, gather that information, put that out well in advance of the rest of the game. And tell people your goals. Say, hey, my goals explicitly is I don't want this turned into a caricature cartoon where people are using this to, like, you know, reinforce uh, bullshit stereotypes. Right. Right? I don't want that. This is what I want. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's how I'm trying to do it. Try it out. Let me know what I'm missing. And then we'll build on this together. Yeah. I mean, it seems... It seems to me that, I mean, that that's exactly the issue. You can't you can't control how people use your game. The only thing you can you can do is channel uh, you know, channel people's behavior by by using rules and setting expectations. Um, so so that's the thing the thing that can be done, right? And, and uh, uh, the game mechanics are important to that. The I'm reminded though. I mean, I think that um, you know certainly in terms of Using the authors that you're using, I mean, one of the things that's important is is attribution, right? And and and, and framing the the idea of the game in a coherent way by 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 setting it up, right? I mean, and it's the return of the repressed, and, and you explicitly say that, and and be um, and and be explicit about how that manifests itself, not in a, as you say, not in a stereotypical way, but in in a, like in a new way, and so maybe. Maybe the game mechanical way to, to deal with that is um, uh, is is to disallow how uh, strict uh, like like historical borrowing, but to require any any element of the old must be married with something new, right? something different. And there's maintaining change. You've got to try it out. Right. See how it goes. And I think one of the things that John was getting at earlier is you know these are living authors. You can contact them and tell them that you're working right. on a project like this. They may not write you back, but you know what? It, it, if they do, then you could you might have a productive conversation. And make it part of your Kickstarter. Say, right. hey, if we reach this level, we're going to include these people. Reach out to them, see if they would be interested in that. And I know that your game doesn't just do those specific cultures, but you can use those as an example of a way to try culture in a way that you're aiming to do. Yeah. Right. Well, the authors are the authors are the philosophical or ideological sources. Well, right? also the, the cultural. Like uh, I like I said, I got this idea with. Uh, Reading how to show new authors oh, who are writing about sure. yeah. their concept of imagination. So I would add to it too, where, and this doesn't just apply to this topic, but any kind of form of communication, especially in rules and text where we want to get people to do a certain thing. Uh, it, often it's not just about telling people do X, right? Uh, they may misunderstand what you mean when you say do X, right? What you want to do is you want to say do X. Uh, here's another example of X in a, in a way that you might not have expected. And here's an example of what we're not talking about, right? So tell them the same thing three different ways. Right. You're more likely to get through to them and reinforce what your goals are. What about other people? Kind of uh, difficult subject matters that you're dealing with. You ready? Let's do it. Oh, no, sure, why not? Um, so the project I'm working on that uh, right now it was sort of a backup project for me because the first one that I wanted to write uh, ended up being very religiously informed, uh, very Judeo-Christian, very heavily informed by that. And it got, I got into a huge dust-up with my co-creators about like whether or not this was going to be something that was going to uh, polarize an audience. And uh, they wanted to neuter the subject matter down away from religion to make it more universal. And uh, we ended up shelving the entire project because of it. Um, because nobody could agree whether or not this was something that would be a bad thing. Whether or not writing a game with very strong religious themes would actually uh, harm the project uh, market-wise or insult people. And so I was wondering what you thought, like, um, 
about that. I mean, it's, I'm planning, I decided again that I'm going to pick up the project and write it the way that I thought. On your own? Uh, under, on my own, um, uh, because th that's the vision that I had and I'm not going, and in the beginning I'm going to just, I wrote this section stating, uh, this is not meant to be a, a preach, this is not, this is about mythology based in religion, and sure. you know, it's fiction and that's all it's going to be. Um, but I'm sort of wondering what your take on it is, because uh, there are a lot of games that are informed by religion, Absolutely. but, um, sure. you know, it depends on how heavily we go into so it. We should lay out a couple of things before we answer that specifically. Uh, the first thing is, no matter, even when you're not dealing with uh, sensitive topics, no matter what you do, you're going to piss off a lot of people, especially on the internet. Right? <laughs> so, like, if you yeah. do anything of value that's not boring, a lot of people are going to be angry, right? Yeah. There's also a very strong difference between offense and hurt, right? Yeah. So offending people, I personally don't care about that, right? Anybody could be offended for any reason. It's your opinion, it's your right, it's your feeling, you're welcome to it. Hurt is a totally different thing. Are you hurting someone? Are you impacting real people and doing something negative to their lives, right? I, I personally feel that we should stay away from things that are hurtful, right? So that's the first evaluation. Is why am I doing potentially offensive? You can't control that. You have no, you have no control over that. Uh, is it hurtful? If it's hurtful, what can you do about it? How can you change it? Uh, I would also say uh, state your goals up front. Right? Like you were saying, like, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it, here are my goals. Let me be 100% clear. Because if you're not clear, people are going to make up a reason for you. Yeah. They're going to be like, she's doing it for this reason. You know, like, just be clear. And they're going to do it anyway, even if you do stay your goals. <laughs> right. You might as well, like, help a little bit, you know. Give other people admission so that they can help exactly. you out. That, that's actually the, the, the real value of, in my mind, of, of stating your goals up front and explicitly, is that it makes your, it gives your supporters something to cite. Yeah, right. By page four. Yeah, but he said it in, on page four that this is what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it actually it's in the it does help. Yes, definitely put in the Kickstarter video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Uh, but yeah, so in, so ultimately, a lot of this comes down to what your personal goals are for this project, right? Like you mentioned things about what you believe in. You mentioned things about the market. I mean, it really comes down to: is this an artistic expression, or you're looking to make? Uh, like money out of this? Is this uh, for a specific audience? Like all those questions are going to help determine what's appropriate for your design and what yeah. you're comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the end, the only thing I care about is like I really want to get this out because artistically, this is what I want to do. Well, then I would say if, don't. If, if, if your goal is artistic, then don't worry about whether yeah. or not it's going to harm its right. Okay. Yeah, don't I mean, don't it, shy it away from it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, I, for, there's a market marketability argument to be made about shying away from controversial things. Sure. But the thing is. I find the stuff on this list, I like to dig deep into that because it, there's so much interesting stuff going in there, right? There are so many assumptions we have, and with a role-playing game, you can explore those, you can put them up and say, is this really what we believe? Is this something that we should challenge? You can, you can put those things out there and play with them, and you, you know... That's where art is, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I think that's why it's so interesting. And you're going to offend some people, but you're going to draw a bigger audience. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, how many people in this room have heard of Fatal? Mm. And other ones, aside uh, from that's, controversial topics, that's just, a completely uninteresting, right. bog-standard RPG. Right. Apart from just aiming to be completely offensive. Right. right. Well, <laughs> and so here's the thing, too. Like... Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of designing to a market. Like that's, I, I know it's not a very popular opinion, but that's just where I come from. That said, there's an issue with designing for a market, which is there's no guarantee of success, right? You can might you might do everything right by the rules. Like here's like here's the 20 rules from Fred Hicks' blog. He's like, bam, do this, and you'll be successful. He doesn't say you'll be successful. But here's some good tips. Uh, make sure you save your money. So uh, you know you might go through this. You might hit 10, 20 tips. 
uh, and it still might be a market failure. But if it's what you believe in, if it's your artistic expression, if it's what you were interested in, right, uh, you have more control over that. You can be personally satisfied by what you did, and that is in your control. So often, if that is your goal, go for it, because you don't have, you can't predict whether you'll be market, you will be a success in the market. Yeah. And one of the things that occurs to me is, I mean, particularly uh, in this culture, uh, Judeo-Christian imagery is kind of our common cultural heritage, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. something that it's, it's, I mean, I can, maybe less true than it used to be, but, um, you know, familiarity with, um, uh, like, Bible stories and, and things like that, and that language is the tools that people use to think with. And so it seems that to disallow that, right, to shy away from engaging with that cultural heritage uh, strikes me as, as like chopping up your arm. Well, and it goes to what we were saying earlier, and I don't know if you were here for this part, but like, uh, if it's a concern, right, uh, beyond your personal satisfaction, interests, uh, expression, uh, share it with people. Go to people who you think might have an opinion on it, or it might impact their lives, or come from, or they might have some sort of shared experience with you. Show it to them. Say, hey, what do you think about this? And don't just show one person. Show a couple people and gather information. Right? And if this is your old, if you're not making a statement, if you're just expressing, hey, here's my perspective, be clear about that. Say, hey, from my whole life experiences, this is where I'm coming from, and this is how it's important. And just as a consumer, I find passion sells more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I am so much in love with Doggy Dog, other than the fact it's a beautiful design, is that there's clearly passion and personal, personal perspectives and considerations baked into the game and that as a marketing tool passion is I think the best possible one uh, I don't know if you've seen it before um, but take a look at Valor uh, Warrior from the uh, Rider because she's basically using the Polaris engine to tell the story of the, the fall of the Moors yeah, underneath the, the, the iron heel of the Crusades right uh, right, yeah, that, that's that's right front and center. That not only uh, is it bringing in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christian and uh, Muslim, you know, ideas there. It's also saying things like, you know, uh, if your character turns towards Christianity, that is a failing. That's the part of part of their ultimate undoing. Uh, undoing. Um, you know, the, the, the Christians are showing up as villainous. So it's the rules there, but it's very specific black and white. Yeah. And, uh, so the Thou Art uh, Warrior. Warrior. Uh, there's Butter another Warrior. new edition that's going to be coming out in a bit. Uh, Anna Kreider. Yeah. Oh, who's excellent in awesome. games. Yes. Cool. What other kind of controversial subject matters do you, you guys deal with? Uh, you, you mentioned that, yeah, I mean, you're not a game designer, but you deal with controversial topics. Sure. As a GM, do we want to cover that? Do we have about if 15 minutes left? If it's interesting to people. So, yeah. Does anybody want me to not talk about it? Raise your hand. Okay, I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Uh, so I was just talking about I run a lot of I run a lot of games. I'm crazy. I run like probably for over a thousand people a year because I organize gaming events. I travel all over the world. I run games all the time. So I'm running with tons of people, especially people I don't know, right? And I like to I don't I like to I don't like to shy away from controversial topics. I like things that I'm personally invested in, and I and I really like passion in my role playing games. So uh, that said. There are a couple things I've developed to try to, to be sensitive and be aware of these kind of issues that we're talking about, right? So a couple of things I do is, there's always a dangerous when, you, when you're coming up with a scenario, right? Let's say a role-playing game, here's my little sandbox, your characters, the situation, uh, to have everything reflect you, 
right? Like all of a sudden, everything is everyone is Greek and Spartan. I mean, that's a terrible example. <laughs> it's a terrible example. Everyone, you know, they're like Sparta, three hundred, awesome. So. Uh, or, you know, they're all male, and they're all of your age group, and they all, like, grow up in New York City or whatever, right? So what I try to do is I try to be aware of that. I say, okay, what I do is, the uh, last game I ran uh, was centered in New York City in the 76 or something. So I went online, and I found the uh, census data about uh, how many people of a certain age, uh, gender, ethnicity, uh, popular names, sexual orientation lived during that time. And I created chart, percentage charts that represented the percentage of people that lived at that time. So when I was making characters, I rolled those dice on the uh, 2d10, right? And I was like, hey, I'm, these characters are not just going to be me. They're going to be representative of the kind of thing we're playing in the sandbox we're dealing with. So that's, you know, I create little tools that can check me. So, right, I like to make it so that half my characters are male, half my characters are female. Uh, often I will, um, assign personalities and uh, roles and jobs irrespective of age and gender and then roll those randomly and apply them and if there's something that really doesn't make sense and I'll change it but I like to divorce them and go into it uh, the other thing is uh, so that's all my prep but when I go to run a game right uh, I don't know who I'm running games with I don't know who I'm playing with especially if I'm in a con and I don't know what they're sensitive to right and uh, there used to be a thing where people dealt with like lines and veils. Uh, yeah, we don't know what they're insensitive to, right? Uh, good point. So, uh, in the past, I know people have dealt with this sort of thing. We'll have a conversation before the game. They'll be like, "What do we not want in this game?" And you know, "What are we sensitive to?" And that can get weird, right? Like, you can get a situation where someone's like, "I don't want clowns hanging around with thirteen-year-olds because of what happened to me, you know, back in '84." You're like, "Whoa, okay, too much information." Right, you don't want to get into that. Now that you've painted everyone's perspective on the game and it's gone to weird places. So what I like to do is, I like to make it clear that the game that we're playing is about us as a group, right? It's us, it's not a solo experience. It's all of us being sensitive to each other's needs so we can make this happen. Because a lot of people get into role playing with the picture of, it's like a video game except we do anything we want. So people think, it's like Grand Theft Auto, I can just kill any NPC, do whatever, I don't care what anybody else likes in the game. I like to stay away from that. So what I generally do is I'll take an index card, I'll draw an X on it, and I say, okay, here's this card. If at any point in the game you feel uncomfortable with anything, it doesn't have to be a sensitive topic, it could be anything. It could be we're trying to play a horror game and then we start going the silly direction that people don't want. Whatever it is, if anybody's uncomfortable, grab this card, point to it, whatever, show it to me. Don't, you don't have to explain why. We'll edit it out and move forward. Right? And I, as Jim, will use this as a shield against the players too, and I'll kind of make it into a joke to make people feel more comfortable putting it in front of me and be like, it's here to protect me. Uh, and I do that to make it clear that I care about what everyone feels, right? So as we're playing the game, if someone's uncomfortable, here's an easy way for them to let us know that doesn't require a lot of effort. It doesn't make them feel uncomfortable. It doesn't put too much spotlight on them. They just say, hey, I'd rather not do that, but just pointing the finger. And bam, we move forward, right? So be respectful of the people that you're playing games with. Right, and also, but, you know, Respect to that. Um, uh, sometimes you'll be surprised, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, some that is. Some will say something like uh, the example that I'm thinking of is, um, you know, we we're playing a game. It was set in the, the 20s or 30s, and um, uh, a player said something about getting a Jew lawyer, right? And um, so that kind of, right? You know, like what? Uh, and it's easy to um, like just sort of. Like, 
go into your own head and that that really happened and let it go and not, not call it out, right? Not call it out. And so it's important to be ready to, uh, um, you know, um, you know, whether points whether it's pointing the X or or just saying, hey, that's not cool. So here's right? what I do as a way to do that. You warm people up. You don't want to go cold into it. That's right. So what I'll do is I'll use the X card on myself. So as we start oh, playing, I'll be like, blah blah blah. Wait, that's ridiculous. Now point at the X card and just make it clear. Hey, it's easy. It's no big deal. I just did it to myself. It's not personal. I just edit it. We'll move on. And usually, I'll grab if I know anybody in the game, I'll grab a ringer. I'll be like, you know, say something, and I'll be like, hey, I'm not comfortable with that, and be cool with it. And now everyone knows it's no big deal. Right. So if someone says that, it's like, hey, buddy, you know, uh, let's, you know, it, he's not Jewish, or she's not Jewish, it's, it's whatever. Right. right. And, uh, and make it clear that even if they feel uncomfortable for a second, it's only for a second, and we're moving on. Yeah. We had a similar, I, I brought in a, a staff member from Mark, which is a lot different, but uh, we deal with, it's a, it's a rated mature game, and we deal with a lot of important, very heavy topics for 300 people per weekend. So you can't find everybody's beforehand, but at the introduction, we have a, uh, a thing which is like, if you ever need to walk out of the scene, you just put your hand on your head and you say, I'm not comfortable, I'm out, guys, or I'm, if you have to come up with an excuse, you gotta go pee, whatever it is. But like, we've done that, and like, people have still been really nervous to say something because they sure. don't wanna wuss out. And I actually, I'm on a staff member, so like, they're always looking to us to set the tone. And a couple of times, I've just, Stepped out of the scene for no reason, yeah, sure. just to make people feel like you're okay, saying something that, that you can. Hey, that's a lot of gore. Yeah. I I'm not okay with big tests. See you guys later. And it's like, no big deal. Yeah, and then there was actually a time when I was super freaked out by something because I won't put myself in. They had coffins, and they actually were putting people in coffins and sealing them. I'm super claustrophobic. I'm not going in there. And sure. I just was like, I'm out, guys. I gotta go. And they took it really seriously. And a girl afterwards came over to me and was like. Hey, thank you for saying that, because I was not going in there either, and we had to get out of there. So, like, or, or when it comes to, like, sexual situations, which come up in the game, sometimes people are just not comfortable with it, and we just step out of the situation and, and you know, de-roll the situation out. So. That, that said, I think it's important that, uh, to recognize that um, you, you can try very hard to make people, you feel at ease to, to throw up the, the yellow card and say, no, 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 uh, we're going too far. There's always going to be some reluctance and some people yeah. to do that. And so sure. as the GM, you need to try to just do your best. You're never going to be perfect. Do your best to read. You check with people. Well, don't read their minds. What I like to do is, I'm going to get to you real quick. Uh, what I like to do is take uh, breaks. Like, do immediately when you sit down, say, hey, the, here's what we're here to do. Give them the pitch. Be very clear. This is my deal with XYZ content. Is everyone cool? Mm -hmm. You know? And right. then after you do your quick thing, 15 minutes into it, really fast, uh, ask for a break. And then talk to everyone. Say, "Hey, everyone's everything still cool?" Because sometimes people in a group don't want to say something. But if you talk to them privately, just do a quick check-in. Do it in the middle of the game. Say, "Hey, is everything still awesome? Is there anything you would like different?" You don't have to make it like sensitive, right? It's, you know, is the game fun? You want anything different? Is your character having a good time? Are you are you having a good time? And uh, just check in with them. Don't you don't have to be a mind reader, right? And that, that brings up, I mean, um, the the larger conversation about expectations that players have about how we play. Um, and so what we're talking about is the mode that's kind of called no one gets hurt, right? And so, uh, right, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, I don't like those terms, but that's cool. okay, well, that's my well, personal bias. Okay, well, be that as it may, be that as it may, but what we've been talking about is, is all right, is that at the first sign of trouble, um, 
people expect to leave, right, to be able sure. to step out. And so, but there's an alternate expectation that is that, okay, we're all in this together and we'll stick together and we'll, and we'll, and we'll go through it together, even if it's difficult. And sure. That's, and that's also part of the conversation that needs to be had, sure. which is... Well, you know, yeah, because, because the problem is difficult is different than harmful. Like, yeah. Right? And, and for some people, it is actually harmful to have to go through some right, of that yeah, stuff. Exactly. And in those cases, you really have to stop. I, yeah. I think I think that there are times when you cannot go all the way yes. through. Even if you guys, even if the group has made an agreement at the beginning that they're going to try and deal with the yeah. stuff. If you're not professional therapists or psychiatrists, right. don't pretend you are. Is <laughs> my personal feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you definitely can stick through with someone, but if the, if you feel like it's it's getting too intense, step up, give them uh, space, and, and just talk to them as a person, not as a character. Right. Be like, hey, you know, how is everything cool? Give them space. If they don't want to talk about it, don't press it. Right? They'll come around later, or they won't. It's up to them. Right? Uh, just about out of time. But just did about you want to have say Just some of this is also uh, skating uh, across like elements of trust and contextualization. Like you could potentially. If you if you if you got a fairly good feel, if you've been pausing and checking with people and so forth, that the that the trust level of the table is high, you can venture into things with the promise that if something ugly shows up in the in, in the in the fiction, there's also going to be you know judgment and contextualization of that. Right. You know, the, just to skip over to uh, a novel that we're having uh, written, uh, people had. It's taking place in 1930s Hollywood, where there's some a hell of a lot of like racial and sexual sure, sure. going on, and so forth. Uh, and those elements actually show up in the in, in the in the in the novel, but uh, you know part of the direction that I gave to the author on this was you know we we want it's okay if that stuff shows up. We want it to be a a light touch and b when it shows up the the the, the obvious heroes or at least forward moving protagonist types of the story are going to react to that as you know put it in its box of eh, no <laughs> you know and right. so it, it it lets the world be real sure. Um, but it also kind of says, yes, but we are not buying into that crap. Sure. You know, I, mean, I do that when I run games where if I'm playing a character who I think is an asshole, like an NPC, I'll be clear, like, this person's an asshole. Yeah. Like, I'll step out <laughs> and be like, this person I was just playing is a jerk, and if anybody is not comfortable, let me know, because I don't even, this guy, kill him, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. Okay, we're about to, out of time. Right I want to do a quick thing, really quick. Lift your hand up in the air like this with your finger sticking out. Everyone's got to do it. You too, buddy. I'm going to do it. Okay, so I'm going to count to three. And at the end of three, you're going to go like this or you're going to go like this based on how you feel about this panel. No pressure. <laughs> so I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. <laughs> Let the record yeah, show. Pause Everyone said unanimously this is the best panel ever. Terry seemed a little hesitant, though.